In a land far away, once upon a time, Brendan, Vicky B, partners in crime. We danced through life like, like a couple of gays. But as time went by, we went our separate ways. Now we're back together, talking about whatever. Talking about the music that, that we, we love forever. Hooking you up like a telephone jack. Everybody listen up, we're getting back on track. What's up, Lambs? This is Miss Vicky B. And it's Brendan. And you're back with Back on Track. Back on Track today. (laughs) This is our Totally Queer podcast where we talk to you about the songs, the soundtracks to our lives that bookmark the moments. And we're having a real moment today. Yes. It's a Mariah Carey kind of moment. (laughs) (laughs) I'm super excited for this show, Brendan. We had a Mariah moment just the other night when we got to see her at the second annual Merry Christmas. (laughs) Oh, no. All I want for Christmas is you. you Yeah, the second annual. (laughs) Yeah. Hashtag second annual (laughs) Um, it was a riot what did you think what were your first Um, reactions oh my gosh I um, I don't know she's just she brings me to such a special place in my heart I mean I have to say I I think most of the year I have to put my love and affection for Mariah in a little box. I feel like she gets um, so much ridicule and and judgment, and then I feel feel like a tiny little bit of shame about how much I love her. So I have to always have to qualify it or sort of not geek out too much. So I'm really psyched today that we get to just totally geek out. Yeah, Um, me too. I feel the same way that you do. And, you know, I'll let it be known that once upon a time I was a little bit of a hater. Up until about the late Shame. 90s. I know, I know. <laughs> My sister was all about it, and I wasn't understanding or feeling it for some reason. But actually, it was you that really sort of brought my love for her into the forefront and our, our experience that we had when we went to go oh see gosh. the Trump bracelet tour in Atlantic City in Atlantic City the, the Trump Taj Mahal oh, the Trump Taj Mahal <laughs> and I experienced her and who she was in the flesh for the first time and there was and, a lot of flesh yeah <laughs> and there was a lot of clear heels and sequins and some marabou going on yeah I mean I think we were imagining she was embracing Atlantic City except I think those are the standard costumes <laughs> <laughs> well either way it was such a blast and yeah I've really grown to love her and you know one thing I did notice about going to the All I Want for You All I Want for Christmas is You uh, concert is the breadth of audience that she relates to. Me too. That was incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean obviously her her, you know biracial background is a huge part of her artistry and what she likes to talk and sing about Um, but it was really amazing to just witness the diversity of her audience from gender and race and Age. I'm sure age, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, definitely sexuality. I mean, it was a whole rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she really manifested that for Absolutely. herself. Absolutely. Well, there, I mean, um, if it was another date and time, honey, there would have been plenty of gentlemen in that audience that would have been on my menu. Oh, right. But it was such a, I mean, yeah, it was such a, a great, like, sort of mix of young and old, black and white, you know what I mean? Um, just everything yeah. that was there. I think my, so some of my favorite moments back at the concert, I, I've been telling a few people about this, but I love what I like to call her trick microphone, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I think you and I have talked about as being the only way this is possible. But um, this is no shade. I love her. She has an amazing talent, but she's also overused her voice a bit, and there's certain parts where she needs some support. Some and some lift. help from the girls. Yeah, she's not she's not phoning it in. Mm-hmm. She's there live, but mm-hmm. sometimes she needs um, you know a little help from synergy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, you know, but it's at the, such random moments. It's just like a piece of a phrase, or yeah. it's not every big belt. It's it's really odd. And I think the only she's got to be communicating with the soundboard using that trick mic, either that or just <laughs> telekinetic or what, tele- telepathy. Yeah, you right. know what I mean. No, it was. <laughs> Wait, do you remember when she did um, touch my body? on, I think, Good Morning America or something, and the track messed up. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, do you know what I'm oh, yeah. About? Yes, I do. I oh, my do. gosh. But then, no, when they, it, and it came on again later, and uh-huh. she turned around and goes, stop singing my part now, <laughs> or something like that. It was so funny. Okay, so uh, th- talking about this, we have to preface yeah. this episode by a, with a disclaimer, I believe, that, yeah. that we are lambs for life, totally. you and I. Uh, we're her utmost supporters. And yeah. I think that the angle that we always try to take with this show is that we can be, we can recognize a person's strengths and their weaknesses their humanity you know what I mean within the within the sphere of entertainment and the media and and still or, or perhaps sometimes be critical or or disagree but we still love them and support them a hundred percent totally yeah. I don't yeah absolutely I think this is all about being real we're not mm-hmm. not trying to knock anyone down a peg but I also you know 
want to call a spade a spade. Totally, totally. Or a track a track. <laughs> <laughs> Trizac. Um, well, anyway, and then my other favorite thing, I think, is, you know, beyond all of the hits and the music and whatnot, I really love her patter, her improv moments where, you know, people may not realize at every night of the show, and she did this when we saw her in New Jersey. She did this when I saw her at the Garden a couple years ago. But in all of her concerts, at least all of the ones recently, I don't know about maybe in the 90s, but... But um, she has a moment where, you know, her, her piano player will riff and, um, and she'll Wright. just start. Yeah, Big Jim. <laughs> He's going to come up a lot today probably. <laughs> um, but, uh, but she'll riff and uh, she'll riff with the piano player and she'll improv a song. And it's hilarious. And, and to me, I, I think it's so much fun. Yeah. The spontaneity. It's like you really feel like you're getting a special uh a special, special moment. moment. Yeah. Well, those are the ones that we, you and I live for. You oh find them on the internet, on YouTube and things like that. They turn into fan gold. Yes. You know, so she so she wrote a song right then and there for us, Christmas Time in New York or something <laughs> to that effect. Yeah. And, you know, and she's like, there you go. That's a hit record. Exactly. It's, it's uh, You almost go, at this point, you go to not only hear what's going to come out of the speakers, of you know, of the song, of the micro, but what's going to come out of her mouth, what her banter is going to be, what's going to be... You know, what is she going to say? What funny thing is she going to say? Yeah, and like we'll get into this, but I think that's what's so interesting about her is that, you know, there's a lot of identity politics going on. There's a whole, I mean, I have, you know, again, I'm going to fanboy out a little bit today, but but there's a lot going on with her, and she's just immensely talented. You hear it from all of the people she works with Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. that she's just a really incredible talent. So. Should we dive in? I think so. I think you should start us off seeing as how you are the, you know, the Mariah. (laughs) The gateway. Yeah. (laughs) Gateway, the the bearer of the keys. Well, interestingly enough, um, the album that really got me hooked on Ms. Mimi uh, was the Daydream album Mm -hmm. from, I want to say, 95. And the song that just swept me away was called Underneath the Stars. We drifted to another state of mind And imagined I was yours and you were mine Yes, we lay upon the grass there in the dark Underneath the stars Ooh, I love that song. Oh my gosh. And you know, incidentally, and I didn't know this when it, when I, it, I fell in love with the song. She's said many times now it's actually one of her favorites in her catalog. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's gone on record in several interviews. Uh, it's it's a song that she just, you know, feels super connected to. So um, if, for those who don't know it well, it was, you know, released on the Daydream album. I believe it was the um, sixth and last single from the album. Um and it was, you know, an interesting moment for her because that whole daydream moment was a little bit of her exploring some of more of the urban uh, musical stylings that she wanted to pursue, getting a little bit away from the packaging that had really, uh, uh, what's the Yeah, word? that she had uh, been reared under, under Sony. Yes, and Tom exactly, Mottola, exactly, you know? exactly, exactly. So this was her trying to do a different thing. But what's fun about it is you get this real throwback vibe with this song. And um, I didn't actually realize this, uh, but... Um, one of her huge uh, inspirations was um, the singer Minnie Riperton. Yeah. And um, and I didn't really know that, obviously, until uh, much later on. Um, and also didn't know until just researching this episode that that's Maya Rudolph's mother. Yeah. Yeah. That's Isn't that wild? Mind-blowing. Yeah. On a whole other level. Mind-blowing. <laughs> the Trinity. But, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, and I can't help but think about Maya Rudolph's, like, Whitney impersonations in SNL. Mind-blown. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. So – Underneath the Stars um, is great because if you watch some of the Minnie Ripperton videos from the 70s, you really can hear, like, I, I, I was, like, that taken tone. aback. Yeah. Well, the whistle tone and the sort of breathy um, innocence about mm-hmm. what's going on. And so this is why I love the song because it's complex. It has all of the things about Mariah Love. There's an, there's an incredible amount of vocal layering um, where she really uses her voice as an instrument in the song. So there's all of this beautiful layering going on. You hear the rich, deep sounds of her alto, you know, belty voice mixed with the fluttering of her, you know, breathy throwaways. Um, mm-hmm. And and the, the dynamic uh, nature of the range is amazing. And it speaks to this beautiful, idealistic uh, romance of just falling in love and how and how pure and blissful that can really yeah. be. So I'm so super sad that it's become it's kind of like the long lost single. 
Yeah. You know? It never, it never, it, I guess she said that there was a video treatment. They shot it in Europe. They shot it in England, the Netherlands, France, but it never materialized. And I guess as per her Twitter account in 2012, she said she doesn't know where it is. So I guess it's with, you know, the career of the person who. The director. Yeah. Whoever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, you know, it's long lost, but I kind of love that it's a real fan song. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, it's, yeah, it's a fan song, and the fans are the ones that are buying it. And actually, if you look it up on eBay, the single, the maxi single, mm-hmm. is worth eight hundred dollars right oh my now. Gosh, That's sure. what it's selling for. Right it was now. with Forever, right? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it was yeah. a double. It was a double A side in some countries, and in some, in some countries, it was on its own. And the image of it is that classic Mariah Carey font, and she's laying right. down in some. Uh, it looks like a gingham top mm-hmm. with that um, with that forever looking hair. You mm-hmm. know, the hair that she was rocking during that time with like mm-hmm. the headband and the, yep. the swoopy bangs. Um, yeah, I God, what I wouldn't give to have this maxi single. I've considered it at times, but then I've yeah walked it back. <laughs> you walked back. What's so fascinating? This will be like you know we used to talk about the whiteboard on old episodes about mm-hmm. you know key takeaways or key key things to consider. One for her is just the drama with the singles, yeah, like the release order and like what's happening with the label versus what she wants. She and then wants the whole thing gets fucked, and then they just drop it. Mm-hmm. This has happened to her, yeah, so well, especially times. lately with this last no, album. No, but it goes all the way back. It's true. It, it goes. All well, the you know way what? back. You know what? I mean, like, nobody knows better than her, like, sort of, like, having your vision of what you wanted to do, being tweaked with by the powers that be and having somebody yeah. step in that's um, a mogul and they know and we're going to, you know, and it's it's a machine. And she's got, I mean, during the 90s, she, you know, she was the star of the 90s. You yeah, know, All absolutely. of her number one singles and things like that. It was a machine and industry. So, you know, she really wanted that number ones album to be her yeah. real favorite tracks mm-hmm. and uh you know really fought for that concept and and the label obviously just wanted to make the bucks and give people the number, the number ones, ones which is actually a concept that served her well so in fairness I, I don't know that they got that totally wrong yeah. but when she did eventually through Sony as well release a greatest hits album properly called greatest hits she did throw on underneath the stars yeah, that's one of the ones with that beautiful shot from it looked like the butterfly album it was shoot, that era yeah. Where, yeah it's the white background where she's yeah. holding the butterfly and that really was I would say as of right now the the most comprehensive if you're looking for the Mariah Carey of the 90s like the 80, the late 80s, early 90s, Mariah Carey, that's the definitive collection. Absolutely. I'll also say that Mariah's Spotify account has a couple fun playlists. Um, one is called Mimi's Famous Faves mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that she put up. And another one is called, I think, like Slightly Obscure something else. And yeah. um, they're both through her account. I mean, she obviously didn't do it, but um, I'm sure she had a conversation with someone over a a glass of something. A, a splash. <laughs> We've got a lot of Mimi's faves and slightly obscures here. We do. I'm, but one, wait, one other thing I have yeah. to say, and we'll talk about him so much because I won't talk about him now, but mm-hmm. we'd be remiss to say that this track is also one of the many Walter Afanasieff tracks. Um, and he is just, was a longtime collaborator of hers through her breakup with Tommy Mottola. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll dive into him later. But what yeah. I want to know, Ms. Vic, is what maybe was the track, since you were a bit of a late bloomer in your affection, what was the track that really got you hooked on her? Well, speaking of Walter Afanasieff, it happens to be a bit of a sort of uh, uh, a lost single of its own. Um, the ballad from her 1997 magnum opus, Butterfly. <laughs> So, yes, as I said, another a ballad, a beautiful ballad by Mariah and Walter Afanasieff. It's the second single from Butterfly, but it was non-commercial. It didn't get the same sort of fanfare and press that Honey got. But you know why? Why is that? Well, because, because it was about Tommy Mottola. Absolutely. Right? So basically, the whole album. Yeah. The, totally. And the, that's what the basically the whole album was her coming of age, her being released. And the video was a, a metaphor for the situation that she was in. Lots of images of her being, you know, under chandeliers and, and hiding behind staircases. And I get, you know, 
sort of referencing the mansion that she came to call Sing Sing, where it seemed like she was spending all of her time recording these albums. She was locked away and sequestered from her from her friends and um and she wants to run free and and she looks so natural and beautiful in in this video and I'm almost surprised actually she looks beautiful, she looks beautiful. I think it's arguably probably the best that she's ever looked it's my favorite video treatment of 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 any of her songs the bangs and the sort of the humidity sort of frizzing her hair and she's barefoot and she's running around and she's looking ways that the way that we know Mariah Carey to 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 be now with her micromanaged sort of um, presentation. It's very controlled, the presentation that we get. But in this, she's riding horses and running around, and yes. she looks very... There was a freedom. Very natural and free. And they really... Whoever directed this really captured what she was trying to say. And, and also some of the most powerful musical moments that we've experienced from her yeah. have appeared on this album and in this track oh in gosh. particular. Yes, we'll talk a lot about the album, but keep going Totally, with the track. totally. Well, so as it turns out... Um, this song came about when she was working with David, David Morales, who at that point they were deep into their long time collaboration. collaboration. <laughs> <laughs> he produces house remixes to her all of her tracks, and she set the precedent for re-recording vocals and sometimes even reinterpolating um, other songs and mixing them in. Oh my god! Changing lyrics, yes. changing melodies. It's and incredible what she would do for that. Totally. Well, and when you have a Mariah Carey single release, it doesn't just drop on one market. It drops no. in urban. It drops in dance. It drops in adult contemporary and it drops Billboard totally. Hot 100. And you know what's fun too is, I mean, she would put out a maxi and it wasn't just like she threw the track to four, you know, producers DJs. Who, or DJs who, you know, remixed it. Like mm-hmm. she would put out like a CD5 or a maxi and it's like she gave you two or three versions and, 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 like, and then re-recorded vocals. Yep, yeah. Yep. I mean, not just different versions, yeah. but just whole new interpretations of the song. So I guess in the, you know, inception stages of this album, she was recording this uh, flyaway interlude and it, going back a little bit we'll talk about this a little bit more but the previous album we called Daydream and she did a Daydream interlude you know so she had started sort of infiltrating the house into the album as opposed to just waiting for the maxi single she's cutting this track with David Morales she starts writing the words to it she realizes she might have a really great ballad on her hands so she enlists Walter Afanasiev to come and sit down with her so they can plunk it out and it turns into a really uh, powerful ballad it's a little slow uh, and a little bit somber at times when you compare it to the rest of her more popular ballads and it didn't smash as big as the rest of her songs but But I really think that was about promotion yeah you, you might be right you might be right I, but in terms of like her fans and in terms of like the true Mariah Lambs this is the theme song this is the the thing that has resounded through the years that is that is Mariah Carey like in a nutshell is this song no question and the other thing I love about that too just as we're talking about remixes is that you know I think there was an interview maybe in 2014 or so where she was talking about um, a little bit turning her nose up, uh, or at least that was the interpretation of the interview, on EDM and how it was having this moment in our, you know, pop music landscape and how she wasn't just going to, like, do a dance record. But then it became all of a sudden, like, Mariah is too good for dance music or doesn't want to do it. And Mm -hmm. so there was, like, a good follow-up where she, like, tried... I was watching this the other day because that's what I do. Um, (laughs) But she was clarifying a little bit... um, I think I know what you're talking about. And she was saying, it's not that I dislike that kind of music. I just... I want to, like, do that when I'm doing that and do something else when I'm doing something else. Totally. Um, I don't want the track to just be one one thing. Well, and this track certainly wasn't that one thing. And that fly away, that long, oh like, what is it, like, nine or 11-minute remix of this with all of uh, the Native American flutes sounding and the, you know, the Rainmaker and, you know, all of that. They're really long. It's just, like, with the chorus of, you know, the girls that she has singing, you know, Kelly Price is getting her paycheck. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, an amazing, amazing long-form remix. And then I also want to talk about, in addition to the whiteboard, yeah. I want to play another game with you. Okay. And it's $100 worth. Oh, you may, well, you, this. <laughs> you may or may not be prepared for this, but my $100 words for Mariah Carey's okay. Butterfly, here we go. Unbridled. Unbridled. horses run unbridled, mm-hmm. or their spirit dies. Um, succumb, um, which isn't, you know, but who uses succumb? In a song. Right, right. and flourish. Yeah. You know, I've learned that beauty has to flourish yeah. in the light. She, this oh, girl we're has gonna, a thesaurus. We're going to call out some others. <laughs> yeah, I always imagine her with just like, in uh, maybe like by the bath. <laughs> or somewhere in like a show. Hello Kitty. Um, <laughs> Hello Kitty yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with just this like ridiculously oversized old thesaurus that she just like thumbs through <laughs> with a little notepad. She's like, that's the one. <laughs> this is the one, Pats. Oh my gosh. We'll, we'll talk about it more later. So There's what so many else, that come to mind. What else do you have for me, Mr. Brandon? 
Oh my gosh. Well, I don't even know where to go next because there's so many things on the Butterfly album to talk about. But I sort of feel like to go there, mm-hmm. we need to kind of go backwards for a hot second. Go um, back. Way back. And I really want to talk about, I think it was her second single, way back in 1990, Love Takes Time. I think that, you know, Vision of Love gets a lot of attention. She really didn't even do much with Love Takes Time for a number of years um, after, you know, the early 90s passed. But it's just a gorgeous song um, written uh, by Mariah and Ben Margulis. How do you say his name? That's Margulis. as good as mine. He didn't. He didn't stick around, folks. That's why we Mark don't know was, how to say yeah. it. <laughs> Benny, Benny, Benny from the block. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, and produced by Walter, um, and it was the album's second single. And um, what I think was just so beautiful about it is you get this first sort of peek into the sweeping nature of her voice and um, the real, you know, pain of heartbreak and. Uh, and I don't know, for some reason, it's just as I discovered Mariah that went back on her catalog, this song to me really encapsulated her debut. This is what I felt like really just solidified her place. But what did you think of this song? I love this song. I mean, that was a really strong debut. And you have to, you you can't talk about Mariah without giving a nod to Ben. And, you know, allegedly they, they wrote 20 songs together, you know, in a, in a makeshift studio at his, in his dad, behind his dad's exactly. uh, garage. Um, it, he was part of her legacy. Um, but yeah, this this is sort of like exemplary of the type of ballad that we would come to expect from Mariah on at least her first four or five albums. Um, really just amazing, beautiful, delicate balladry that showed off her instrument. Um, and I actually, you know, it said uh, the song helped her win a BMI R&B Award for Song of the Year and also the Songwriter Award, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to talk about the video because as I was reading about this, yeah. I noticed that the video wasn't included on the number ones DVD. Interesting, Because Mariah right? is ashamed of it. You know... That's another whiteboard thing. She has a lot of body shame, mm-hmm. and she has a lot of... So was it about her body shame, or was it well, about... I, mean, I, don't I don't know, know what if it was it's about. really exactly body shame. Well, I, maybe that's a little too specific, but I think she's hyper-conscious about... You know, you can see this from her. She has the diva persona, and it's a very... It all, I think, stems from a, a, a real hypersensitivity to uh, her perception, and so she's always focused on her sides mm-hmm. and um, making sure she's getting a certain, you know, framing in her shots and um, and feeling like also that the person she's work collaborating with like a director or a cinematographer is really vibing with her on her vision and if she doesn't yeah. feel like it's representing her she's really um, she's going to shut it down yeah well here's the thing is I, I, I think this is important for us to talk about and for us to talk to her as a human being you know what I mean and just say Mariah we love you you know the, did you watch the video yeah I did yeah. and I thought it was great it's I lovely. think the very thing about this video and her performance and what makes it so beautiful is the capturing again of her looking so natural and unprocessed what well, kind of reminds you of the, uh, the butterfly video well, totally which is totally. funny and yeah. it's very it's very naked yeah. and sort of very simple, but you're you're catch, catching the essence of her. And I think our most favorite moments of her are when she's at her most vulnerable or candid. And on the flip side, usually her biggest fails or missteps are when people aren't buying her for some reason because of all of the layers of self-consciousness and, and construction getting in the way of, of her light really shining through. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It's um, But yes, I think that some of that is frustrating and yet on the other hand I really appreciate the way she uh, plays with how she presents herself to the world I I think that's I don't know it's an interesting well it's part it's part of who she is it's part of who she is it's part of who she Um, is and part of her brand you know one of the other interesting things about this song is that you know it was on her demo with Ben but I don't think it originally made the album and then Tommy uh, Matola, at least what I was reading, uh, apparently, you know, basically as they were putting the album to press, said, uh, we need this song on the album, but it wasn't quite album ready. And so Walter had already been engaged uh, through Tommy mm-hmm. um, to work with Mariah on this debut album. And so I think in a matter of days, uh, Walter ended up producing what 
ended up going on the album. But it was so quick that apparently the initial presses of the uh, album, the cassette tape, don't even have Love Takes Time on the on the notes. Mm-hmm. Um, it was on there, but uh, the, the actual song was on there if you played it, but it wasn't even listed because they'd already gone to print. Sure. Which is... Um, do you remember that? Do you remember that? Yeah. Crazy things like that. Stop like the presses. Deadlines and things. Yeah, for, for physical CDs and for booklets yeah. and when booklets didn't match up with CD listings and this and that and the other. And when that was an actual situation and stories like that made the news, that's just like a, a little sticky like sort of post-it moment of like sort of where we are in time. You know what I mean? And where this was in time. Absolutely. That's really interesting. But I think also it just speaks to the incredible talent that was going on in that moment. Mm-hmm. But um you could sort of throw that together so quickly and, and have it work and yeah. be phenomenal. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Can I talk about another ballad that we, while we're on the subject Please. of balladry? Yeah. Do you remember the 1999 Rainbow album? Do I remember? <laughs> I sure do. There was a song very close to the end of the album, um, right before the title track Rainbow, and it is called Petals. Oh my gosh, this is on my list too. Petals is everything. This is another this is another sort of definitive Mariah Carey fangirl. Fangirl track. I think (laughs) she's only performed it live a couple times. I think she did on the Rainbow Tour. There's a video of her on YouTube where you can see her singing. In tears. And she's in tears. They're streaming down her face. She did it on Rosie O'Donnell. It looks like it's really hard to get through. That's painful subject matter from from what I gather. Um, Just a little bit of uh, hard facts before we delve a little bit deeper into the track. Um, Written and produced by Mariah along with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and Janet. Yep, hello. (laughs) And Big Jim Wright, who would ultimately become her ballad guy as we know now. But at the time, as she was sort of transitioning out of, you know, uh, what was it, Columbia Mm -hmm. and going into Virgin, she started working less with Walter. I think the last collabo that they had was on Butterfly. Officially, yes. Officially, he had a I track think, on Glitter. Yeah. But they, she started working with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, and they really started working the piano for her so she could yeah. start writing the balladry. Yeah. Um, yes. And, and this song does have a little bit of their signature in it, but it, it's incredibly tender, um, incredibly, incredibly atmospheric with the sounds of the oh rain and the thunder and, you know, really giving you the metaphor of the sun coming through at the end. Um, it's an album track toward the end of the set, as I said, um, it's a classic, what she likes to say, a misery ballad. Like she says, she includes, you know, the misery, you know, yeah. uh, where she really delves deep into her darker stories and, and some of the darker things that she's dealt with in her life. And there are so many, um, there are so many parts of her biography that people have sort of attributed pieces of this song to. And sure. I don't know that she's ever necessarily confirmed anyone. There's them, theories. There's, there's lots theories. Of theories. It's presumably about people in her life that were close to her, but for whatever reason, she has to distance herself from them. And her coming to terms with the fact that that's painful and that she's sorry and that, that she misses them. Um, like petals scattering. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that that is a really powerful, you know, metaphor right there. It's her popularity was beginning to explode. She, you know, her Rainbow album, you know, Heartbreaker. You know, it was probably one of the biggest singles of her career. Heartbreaker She's, was, but Rainbow actually took a turn because well, of what right. was happening. Right. Again, with the drama. Behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Behind the scenes, you know. Um, it was also she threw it together in, like, record time because she just wanted to get out of her contract. That Okay. So, See, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. She did the whole album in three months, which for her is, like, lightning speed compared to the pace we've gotten from other things. Well, regardless, it still had, you know, Thank God I Found You also, which yes. was number one. No, do you know what she did? Um, what? This was the first, I think this was the first album where instead of doing the New York recording she'd been used to, she um, went to Capri. Uh-huh. And she isolated herself in Capri, <laughs> as you do. <laughs> um, but she wanted, she, to get, she, wanted, Capri. she wanted to get that shit done. Holla. <laughs> well, I mean, up until that point, she had had a record of, like, what, putting out, like, an album a year? Which is an impossible pace yeah. to, 
to, to keep up with, yeah. you know? Um, and, like, when she's in New York, she's, like, you know, she's out until four in the morning. She's, like, doing the whole thing, hanging with friends. Well, we're beginning uh, to you know. see signs of the sort of, like, a bit of the of the, the sort of the breaking point yeah. where, you know, we're promotion right is insane. The cusp, yeah. Promotion's insane, left and right, getting ready to shoot the movie, which was, at the time was called All That Glitters. She's rearing up for that, you know, going around the world on her world tour. And she's got people near her that when she's tired or when she's in her moments of need, all of a sudden they go to sleep and, you know, they're nowhere to be found. And it's like there's a feeling of that there in this album as well. Sort of like where the hell where the hell are all my friends and all these people? And I think for someone so um, such a megastar to be so raw and vulnerable, it's rather risky. And I think Mm -hmm. people are so quick to take shots at her because she'll do something silly and irreverent. But, you know, this is a person where if you weren't um, producing the tracks in the manner that she does and if you if she didn't maybe look the way she did I mean this has just as much legitimacy as any singer songwriter that you might hear you know at a you know at a, in a, in a cabaret act or anywhere else I mean she, mm-hmm. this is a this is a real talent this is her life's work another I mean another amazing lyrical moment um, hundred dollar word is uh when she uh, she throws in despondency. Despondency. Oh my gosh, we bonded through despondency. Patriarch that is. Oof, what's that? Patriarch. Oh yes. The bonding through despondency. Gra- um, gravitated predictably, dutifully. Yes. Um, my favorite lyric from the song is, "I was I was resigned to spend my life within a maze of misery." Oh, oh my god, that's like you know that's for a simple. That doesn't even include a $100 word, but just right. sort of admitting and saying that out loud, manifesting that. Yeah. You know what I mean? That really gives you an idea for where she was. And, man, thank you so much, Mariah, for delving that deep and sharing that with everybody. Like, totally. that, that's beautiful. Totally. And the other thing I just want to mention, too, is that, um, you know, I, I said this before, but her instrument really is her voice. And what I love is as a studio singer, this doesn't translate live. She's never been the best live performer, although she's down developed her quirks that I think people have come to love, the flourishes, the gestures, and all of that. <laughs> but, um, but that wasn't her thing. I mean, she's a real uh, a vocal talent again in the studio. So what you hear on this track, like many others, but specifically on this one, is the way they just layer vocal over vocal over vocal to create these sonic, you know, warm atmospheres that are yeah. just uh, harmonizing. Oh my gosh, it's a yeah. whole universe. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you put in the headphones and it's a virtual reality, darling. Well, where are you going to take me next on this virtual Mariah tour? Oh, my gosh. I think for this virtual tour, we need to um, kick it up a notch, maybe. Um, An up-tempo number? Well, I think that could be a little helpful at this point. I want to go back to Butterfly because um, that album, again, we sort of, you know, are breaking away from, you know, the way she was boxed in before. And um, I want to go with the lead track that was a big hello moment for everyone. And that was Honey. And she won't stop. So this came out in the summer of 1997, and I remember this because I, again, had fallen in love with the Daydream album. So I was, you know, still, uh, I was thinking I was a middle schooler at that point in time. So I had explored her back catalog, but was like waiting for that next new album. And I remember I was listening to the radio, and they were pumping up that they were going to be premiering the new Mariah song. And um, I remember being in the car with my mom, and they were like, coming up next. It's And at this point, you know, the way the internet was, you didn't, you didn't hear it that way. I was waiting on the radio to yeah. hear this song, yep. um, which is kind of <laughs> shocking to even think about. But I, I had my dial ready, and um, so the, the you know the DJ on it was like Z one hundred and four, some BS like that comes on. <laughs> you know, Mariah Carey, honey, here it is. So I play the song. My mom's driving me. I'm sure she's not you paying know, attention or even gives. Yeah, I don't know. About it. <laughs> But already by this time, even at that age, I was obsessed with the way she would play with lyrics and innuendo, and um, I was all over it. So the song plays, I'm jamming out in the car, I'm like, this is amazing. As soon as it's over, I'm trying to vibe with my mom and say, oh my gosh, mom, this was so great. She's talking about honey and the love pouring over me, and like obviously it's like a metaphor for semen. And my mom was <laughs> like, what? 
Mom is like, what is happening with my 13-year-old son? Um, <laughs> way see, oversharing. That flew like over my head again. I mean, along with all whatever. I mean, that's what it felt like. But, yeah, to me. an extended. Maybe that was just metaphor. Freudian. <laughs> that's what it felt like to you, darling. <laughs> I love oh that that was – I love that you immediately picked immediately. up on that. Immediately. immediately. And you were like, I love this I was this like, girl. it's just like, honey, when your love comes <laughs> over me, I was like, I want okay. another taste. Another taste. <laughs> A dependency. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Well, this is – I mean, she by this time, she's well into her, you know, pretty much established trend of a lead single being uh, – a, a revival of an old, like, early 80s, late 70s jam. Oh, yeah, we didn't R&D. really talk about that yet. All the sampling Samples. she does. Yeah, so okay. this is sort of, this is like up there on the whiteboard for Mariah is the sampling of the old 70s and 80s tracks, revamping them, bringing them into the, you know, bringing them back into the forefront. You know, basically, it seems like sort of like improving over an instrumental track and then turning that along with chords, you know, played by Walter or Big Jim or whoever she's working with at the time in order to be able to turn it into a song and then sort of like upping the ante by changing it around with the bridge a little bit, adding in a featured rapper. Um, but she really sort of, okay, so th- th- going back a little bit, there was yeah. a song from her first album. It was it was the last single. It was called There's Got to Be a Way. And um, I was watching an Oprah interview. There was a girl interviewed by Rachel talking about that was the song that changed my life listening to Mariah Carey saying There's Got to Be a Way in in terms of um, bridging the gap between black folks and white folks, you know, inner city and 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 the establishment. And I really believe that, w- like, with what Mariah has done with music, she's really found a way. She's really found a sort of a metaphoric way to be able to um, sort of, what's the word? Um, Express what it's like to be an outsider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And bridge yeah. the gap yeah. and, and bring the urban into the mainstream and vice versa. Totally. Bring these cultures together. And this was really, Honey was really a culmination, like the ultimate culmination of that. You're so right. Yeah. Yeah. No, she was able to really bring in um, hip hop into this pop, uh, you know, music universe. aesthetic universe. Yeah. yeah. In a way that was really palatable for people. It really felt like an open space. Um, you know, I think it was uh, it was a Q-tip uh, co-written track, right? Yeah. And along with uh, P. Diddy. Well, right. And so then I had seen on there... Uh, uh, on there was Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> the Bible, darling. Um, you cracked it. I cr- <laughs> um, I'd seen on there. Um, know that they had to, uh, they, there were so many bad rumors about Diddy at that point in time around the, um, that he the was control freak. Yeah, yeah. Critical that he was, that they actually, Mariah just recorded 500 million versions in the studio without him and then just sent, sent him them all. all of these vocals and said, do what you got to do, but I'm not going to do it with you. Yeah. And yeah. he was like, wow, she sent me the whole damn thing. Right. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, it looks like he chose the best one. I have some yeah. criticism that I have about this track. I did. Really? I, I've grown to like the track, but I have to say when it came out, it wasn't as... It wasn't as sing-songy, perhaps, as her as some of her previous songs to me. Hmm. And I also find this this happens every once in a while with sample-heavy tracks. Sometimes the dissonance from the sample can do a disservice to the melody of the song. Sure. And I found that to be a little bit. I actually happen, of course, typical, you know, Miss Vicky, to love the Morales mix of this. Sure. It explodes in yeah. a fever of Kelly Price, yeah. like Hallelujah, yeah. Oh My yeah. God, yeah. David Morales. Um, so that's where, I mean, like, when I got the single and I heard that, and then also there's a really cool Jermaine Dupree remix that samples It's Great to Be Here by the Jackson 5, which you might recognize as being the the base that All I Want by 702 was built around. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was really cool, too. It was like, oh, that's another, re- you know, realization of this song. So it, I you think know, for me the look was so much about this as well. I mean, I feel like, again, this is the moment. This was the, this was the debut. Mm-hmm. This was the everyone knew that the divorce was happening and not only was it a divorce from Tommy Matola, but it was really a divorce from the image that mm-hmm. she had been you know uh, presenting to everyone yeah. and so she comes out and the golden hues were gorgeous Dewey. and luscious yeah. Yeah. Um, and then she's got on everything's that, a tube top every, she's got on the cute little white sailor tube top <laughs> and then the best is the high pony I think I really became obsessed with the high pony from this video oh and the like what is it the Bridget Bardot like throwback with the when she's diving in the water with the heels on? Well, no. I mean, yes. That that whole situation is great. That whole scene, by the way, I mean, that also just caused more angst with the old camp because 
you know, I think Tommy told us people were so uh, annoyed. Yeah, that yeah. it was being so specific. Yeah. Uh, such a specific uh, barb or jab um, at at Tommy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which, of course, she, like, in her typical Mariah's shady way, just sort of just blows sort of it blows off and laughs up. at yeah. it. Oh, yeah. but that's she's why like, we love her. Of course. Because she is a, she's a shade artist. Oh, she, she really is. is. A, she's, a, she's a master of shade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's pretty brilliant. Um, no, but during no during the little dance break, when she's in just the little mini skirt and the top, she's got a nice super high pony, like way pre-Ariana Grande. Um, and it's when she's doing some cute little choreography. I think it's the most movement you'll ever see from her was in that video where she's sort of bent <laughs> over and does a little like arm yeah, gesture. I remember that with the yeah. sailors. Uh-huh, with the sailors. I do remember that's, that. That's about as good as it gets. Yeah. But that steel heel also from the video, it's, do you remember? So when she's yeah. getting, yeah. So anyway, the, the, the steel metal heel um, stiletto, uh, there's just like these nice tight shots of just the heel oh. to really like let you know that she's like gonna <laughs> she cut a bitch. Business. Yeah. Oh, oh my girl. god. And I just thought, oh my god, the director of this video, I'm just living for him. Like, the, the fact that they're gonna do this close-up shot of just the heel, and you're gonna know what's going on. It, yeah. it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. I love that you were a little gay boy out there picking up on all of these cues. And I was just like, Mariah is wearing all tan, and she looks really dewy. And I don't, you know, oh, okay. It's honey. <laughs> it's honey. Well, only now I've come to realize. We're going to come back to that video director later. Mm-hmm. Well, can I can I drop a, since we're in an up-tempo mode. Yeah. Um, I'm going to talk about a, a little bit more of a current era track that I think you'll appreciate. It's from her 2008 follow-up to Emancipation of Mimi equals MC Squared. The name of the track is I'm That Chick. Disco fever. <laughs> Disco fever. So this is sort of like, this takes its place in the pantheon, I believe, of sort of Mariah fan favorites and the sort of like formulaic, we're going to stick in a disco bump track on the, you know, on the album. Um, I have to say, I personally stuck this track there because I know that you and I love it in honor of Didn't Mean to Turn You On from Glitter. Oh, yes. High five. High that. five. High five him over the microphone right now. Um, and I want to talk. Wait, for a can we second. actually yeah, can have we a actually, glitter moment? Yeah, okay. Because <laughs> glitter's not on our list. Yeah, but that's but that's really partially just because it's not on Spotify. It's not on Spotify. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, uh, how profound we're talking about management of you know like image and things like that. And it, it feels like a catalog. It feels like when we get the live performances, when we get the retrospectives on her, that it's a moment that gets really skipped over. Oh, and she's talked about it. Yeah, I mean, but she has said recently that. She has a a bit more of a um, she's embraced that it's uh, well loved by certain fans for being campy and cheeky, and there's enough distance where I think she's she can move a little bit more beyond the disappointment. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm I'm glad she said people in her camp used to call it like the G word or something. Oh, like they couldn't even so, say the word. That hurts me glitter. so bad. Yeah. It's sort of like it, it makes me sad to feel like anybody feels like they can't misstep or I even dare say fail because fail failure is such a relative term. You know um, what it is though. I mean, when she, when I've heard her talk about it, I think that you know I, I would like to think it's less that she can't handle like not having a number one movie or a number one album. Mm -hmm. I think it's more that she was personally disappointed in the, you know, creative process of putting it together. I think she felt abandoned by the, the, the production team that was making the film. I think she felt like it just wasn't well written and didn't serve anyone well. So I think it was more like, I think it was less about, I really put out something great and it didn't work. I think it was more like, I really don't believe in this thing and now I have to put it out. And now the train is on the tracks and it's yeah. going and we got to go. Yeah. Which I think that does stay. Well, that's the worst. That that's the absolute worst. And I mean, yeah, we were talking a minute ago about glitter. I mean, I'm sorry, about Rainbow and about how she was on a runaway train and she was being overworked. This is, a, at, you know, the, right before the dawn of her sort of quote unquote break, breakdown moment where she was really overworked and and. 
things were getting a little bit off the rails and she didn't have the support system that she needed. But I have to say, Brendan, when you brought this soundtrack home in college, you know what I mean, our freshman year of college, I was like, this is banging. I, I mean, think like, that actually might have been what turned you on to Mariah. Well, yeah, bit. you're probably right. It yeah. might have been didn't mean to turn you on. I was yeah. like, oh, because she's working with Jam and Lewis, who they've yeah. got their like SOS band roots. They've got the Minneapolis sound going on for them. Prince. And I mean, this song, you know, last night a DJ saved my life was on the was on the album. Uh, didn't mean to turn you on is this hot sort of Prince esque like just banger. You know it's, what I mean? It's a banger. And it's she a great remake. Um, you know, she always writes her own stuff. Except every album, she'll have to do one, maybe two um, covers or remakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and didn't mean to turn you on was everything. It was my cell phone ring for years. Yeah. Oh, and I've <laughs> seen so many since then. I've seen so many amazing drag numbers to it. And I, every time I go in, I'm like, damn it, I really wanted to do that. I wanted to do that number so bad. I never got a chance to. But I really feel like all the high points from that album were a number one, the ballads, um, oh, yeah. which that she did with Jimmy and there Terry, some great and also ballads, Walter, on right? There. And also the seventies and like early eighties, early eighties like, funk yeah. movements that mm-hmm. she did, where it was really sort of like we we hadn't fully fully gotten into our eighties nostalgia yet. At that no. time, it was, and she, I've heard it said before, it was ahead of its time in its musical sort of taste making. Yes, you know what I mean. And unfortunately, I also think that there would have been a little bit more space for that album to exist as an album if either a the film hadn't been paired with it, if it was just an album, mm-hmm. or if the film had been better. But because it was paired with a film that was not sort of working at the same level that the album was working, they didn't have the same strength. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was hard to look at that. You could only look at them together. Yeah, it's unfortunately. true. Unfortunately. Well, now we go, we zoom forward to, you know, our current era. And this is also in the spirit of, you know, you don't know you don't know what to do, which is another lost track from um, her Me. most recent album, I, I Am Mariah, the elusive Chantus. Um <laughs> But another really fun number, like, sort of disco I love that number. number. And they, they did all, release it as a single. They did? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, don't yeah. Know what to oh, do. yeah, and she, uh, there yeah. was a Photoshop situation, and yeah. she said, "Now I don't know what to do." <laughs> right? And we love her. God, that was amazing for a moment like that. She they couldn't figure out what they did. The on. label <laughs> and did, took no ownership that that had gone out, and just posted it and said, "Now I don't know what to do." <laughs> Well, anyway, I will say that I'm That Chick was a high moment in the E equals MC squared. I was less than enthused about the album. It felt like a com- like exactly a commercial follow-up, a trying a trying to make light. It is Emancipation strike. of Mimi Part 2. Part 2. That's I literally know. what the two meant. And the e I, know, MC I know, I <laughs> know. This I know. And it Lightning did strike uh, twice in the same place with Touch My Body. It really and did. I'm, I'm happy for her about that, and I did like it. But the rest of them felt kind of sort of lackluster mid-tempo. You know what's really, well, yeah, I, I will say we, this is another whiteboard moment for me about Mariah. Um, and not every song we're talking about is a mid-tempo, but nobody gives mid-tempo like Mariah Carey. Mm-hmm. I mean, she really knows how to fucking rock a mid-tempo <laughs> song. She gives you a groove. She yes. definitely does. She and I love does. that. I also love this song because it's just silly. And yeah. like, what's one of the other things about her is that the lyrically, it's so it's silly. Playful. It's, it's playful. incredibly playful. Yeah. Um, and again, I think people are just so quick to knock that because they don't. Like, I don't know if it's they don't trust it or they think it's contrived or they – I don't know what it is, but people just have no patience for that. And I think it's a blast. Yeah. But it's because she kind of reminds me of a drag queen. <laughs> really. I mean, I think it's this heightened realism. Mm-hmm. It's over the top. Mm-hmm. It's a character. Um, well, look at Bianca. Look at all the stuff that she did with Bianca. Yes. Blatantly sort of – and then making fun of herself, making yeah. fun of her name. You know what I mean? Like, she's very aware of the heightened realism and the, the drag and the drama of it all. Yeah. You can't tell me that when she goes out and lays on a piano with with like elbow length gloves on <laughs> that she doesn't fully realize that this is a dramatic moment. Of course. And like and she's definitely sort of like she's seeing how far she can push the line and I think it's hilarious. Yeah. Absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I think it's like I think it's a coping mechanism frankly. Mm, you know. True. Yeah. Do you have anything um, else that you want to throw down at me? Well, I mean, it's interesting because in between, you know, just staying in that time frame for a second, right in between um, Emancipation of Mimi and the E equals MC squared debacle. Um, <laughs> it wasn't a debacle. It's just weird. Um, but there was the, um, like, re-release, ultimate, platinum, yeah. diamond, crystal, I don't know what <laughs> version of Emancipation of Mimi that came out. And um, I do want to talk about, I think it was maybe her like, 16th number one. I don't remember the number. But uh, don't forget about this. And don't forget about this. 
absolutely. Yeah. 2005. Well, good. We just heard it. Um, <laughs> Um, I love the song because I have to tell you, We Belong Together was, um, you know, the, the critical blast smash that it was. Um, you know, I, I loved it, but I did think it was a little bit much, honestly. I mean, I thought it was a great song, but um, but Don't Forget About Us felt to me like a more confident single. It felt like um, Emancipation of Mimi got her back on her feet after feeling so uncertain about her music uh, instincts and whatnot. And so where I felt like in some of those other singles she had to like push it and just like try and do every sort of like trick and lyrical craziness and whatever don't forget about us was it felt to me like a return to simplicity it sort of got to bring on board the the urban vibe and sort of the the sultriness that she you know has explored and developed over the years but but also felt like a return to sort of her roots and, and it's just sort of like simple story um, and and impurity did you yeah. get that I did I did you know, here's the thing. Um, I don't know. I didn't feel exactly the same the way that really? you felt. I'm gonna have to. I'm okay. gonna have to slightly disagree with this you. This might be one and of our few disagreements. All to the love. No, it's true. It's true. Um, if, to me, it felt like a ripoff in just about every single way because wow. I think it might have been because I actually did love We Belong Together so much and me, like a million other people in the United States, that became my song. Yeah. And it felt like, uh, just uh, again, what we were talking about, uh, a marketing technique, uh, really uninspired, again, trying to make lightning strike twice. That This was supposed to be another album, but because Emancipation was so huge, they decided to do this sort of tack on at the end where they took the tracks that she was working on and just and put it on the end yeah um and it just really for me it felt like a law of diminishing returns type of moment where you know it it felt to me like a step where the entertainment industry really focus grouped on it focus grouped on it and hedged their wrist with recreating a carbon copy of a song that she already came out with (laughs) that's what it felt like to me and it's all good girl you have your you know i have languishing recollections you have yours and i have mine i love languishing um Oh, well, I don't know. But I it's just, okay. No, it's it's totally fine. I, I love, love it. it. Revel I, in your love for I it. I do. I think it's a beautiful track. Once again, I think that if you, like, I, I understand what you're saying about the fact that it is structured um, just about the same. However, I would argue a lot of her songs have very similar structure, That's as true. many songwriters do. That's true. Um, I just think it's beautiful. I think it's simple. The video is so beautiful to me. Um, I don't know if you remember the video well, but it was um, the opportunity where she got to reunite with Paul Hunter, who directed the Honey video. Mm-hmm. I said we'd circle back. Um, <laughs> we have circled. We've circled. We've done a full 360, sort of, slash not. Um <laughs> But uh, anyway, it's just a really, really beautiful video. I mean, she looks gorgeous. Do you remember watching it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she. Well, the I mean, looks she did. are oh, the pigtails, and she's in a she, swimming pool, and oh, she's and in the, the front soccer. of a soccer. <laughs> and I had all these fantasies of my soccer husband coming to get me. Yeah, um, that was pretty. Sweet. And she did. She did a little bit of uh, a recreated Marilyn moment from Something's Got to Give. In I the love pool. her connection to Marilyn. Yeah, I love her connection to Marilyn. Um, and there's other connections that she has, lots of but, references. But yeah, um, a Marilyn moment. <laughs> But uh, no, anyway, it was just—it's a really, really beautiful video, and um, I love when I love when collaborators get to you know swing back around like that. That's so fun. That's true. Well, listen, I do appreciate her relationship with Jermaine Dupree, and uh, no, see, you don't. But I, well, I've liked the Jermaine Dupree collaborations on her albums. I think some of the collaborations on songs have been fine, mm-hmm. but I do think the recent partnership that she launched, which led to the the Me I Am Mariah. Uh, album, album push mm-hmm. um, was kind of a debacle because I think it was he was too in control. He's I don't think that was yet best using his talents. That may be tr- that may be correct. Yeah. Well, can we talk about her best using her talents? We sure can. All right, I'm gonna rewind all the way back to 1991. It's the sophomore album, Emotions, and the name of the title of the track <laughs> is The Wind. Here we go. The, throwing it back, getting back to basics. This is Mariah. Back to what? Back to basics. Shut your mouth. <laughs> I have a problem. 
Um, okay, so production and lyrics by Mariah. This is an interpolation of the song by the late Russell Freeman, who is a Chicago native jazz pianist. Mm-hmm. Um, so he wrote the song with the initial initial lyrics by Jerry Gladstone, and it was performed throughout the 50, 50s and 60s by artists like Chet Baker and vocalized by June Christie. But Mariah took it and basically wrote her own lyrics to the song. So the original lyrics, June is talking about the cold wind reminding her of the things that she can't forget. And in Mariah's, there's a little bit more of a darker vibe. It's like death has taken whoever she's speaking about uh, with the wind and they're floating around in the sky above them. And I mean, so to use the – first of all, her name is taken from the song in the musical Paint Your Wagon called They Called the Wind Mariah. So it's a – her voice – and the irony of it being about her voice, voice created by air moving through the vocal folds. Thank you. Right. The more you know. (laughs) The more you know. But, you know, you got to say it. You got to say it for the children. So then she takes a song called The Wind and it's this beautiful jazz, spooky, haunting right at the end of like an album of – pop ballads and CNC Music Factory and then all of a sudden oh and she does jazz too and she soars in this yeah. song and I mean before I want to let you before you respond about this I want to call to mind the jazz videos of her and the um, the impromptu stuff that she does at the Carlisle Jazz oh, Club my gosh. and then also the Fly Like a Bird slash Art of Letting Go improvisations that she did after the taping of Jimmy Fallon um, and all of those improvs and hilarious ad libs that had everybody rolling, but that were also vocally, like tonally flawless. Go. No, <laughs> you know what? I just I think that you know, as you said, I mean, this was um, her second album, and I think that uh, once again, people probably don't get to the end of the album all the time. I mean, they used to, but not so much. Um, it's it's a track that people ignore, but you get to really understand um, the kind of. Uh, talent she is and the way she wants to explore music and, you know, explore interpretations. And um, I think even more morbidly than what you said, didn't it wasn't about a friend who died in a drunk driving accident. I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not I positive. Think that's what you I might read. know more about me than that. I think that's what I read. Yeah. So it's it's it seems very personal and quite sad. Yeah. Um, but very beautiful. Yeah. Well, she does say so young to die. You know, mm-hmm. n- now you'll never know. Mm-hmm. You know, I really loved you. So yeah. it is a very it is a very haunting song, and I think it's just it takes her to another one of those places where it's like, oh wow, she got deep right there. She got real deep. Yeah. Do you have That's anything true. else? What yeah, else you know, we're getting me. close. I think. I know. I know. Shocking. It means that we just have to do more. Mariah. Another. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I mean, I, I want to do one more for sure on my list that really goes back to um, what I think is just a huge kindness. I want to talk about when she released the number ones album. She included. Um, a tribute to her, you know, own sort of origin story, and uh, and she did a remake of a song called "I Still." I still believe it's interesting on lots of levels. Um, for one, it's notable because it's not an original song of hers. It was written and composed by Anto- Antonina Armado and Giuseppe Cantarelli. <laughs> I think I got that out. Um, but it was originally recorded by Brenda K. Starr, a Puerto Rican singer that uh, Mariah sang backup for when she was, I think, 17, 18. Or- I think she allegedly provided backups for the original version of this, too. I feel like yeah. I read that. Yeah, that's yeah, great. yeah. Um, okay, that's cool. Yeah, and it was it was Brenda's, uh, you know, biggest hit. And uh, it actually, you know, was on the Billboard Hot 100 back in, uh, I think, 87. 87. 87. And so, um, anyway, so Brenda was actually hugely instrumental in having, you know, Mariah, you know, get the opportunity that she's had. Brenda recognized her talent. Unlike all of the sort of stories you hear of women catfighting and jealousy and whatnot, which I think is always the narrative we want to talk about. This is a moment where you have a woman not much older than Mariah and who recognizes this amazing girl who's, you know, singing backup, who's awesome and says, you know, we've got to get you in front of, you know, a label, an agent, you know, representation and ends up, you know, helping pass her demo around and takes her to a party and, you know, eventually Mariah, you know, winds up with Tommy Mottola. So that there's history right there. Um, So when the number one's album happened, 
Mariah wanted to actually, like I was saying before, it wasn't really the concept she loved. She did feel like she wanted to include new music for the fans, didn't want it just to be you know, number one hits. So she did include a few new tracks, and this was a remake. Um, and I just love this song. It's so fun for me because when she reinterprets a song, you get to hear all of the sort of colors of her voice and the way she interprets. But because you have a, a piece of reference, because it wasn't written by her, you almost through that contrast get to like understand a bit more about what she's what she's thinking and the choices she's making and I don't know I'm a dork but yeah. that totally fascinates me well it's her interpretation me. Yeah. and it's sort of like taking somebody and seeing you know, this person plays guitar this way and then you hand that same guitar to somebody else and they've got a completely different interpretation a completely different physical way I mean people always talk about the vocal gymnastics and yeah. things like that but a lot of what Mariah's albums and her recordings are really challenges to herself totally. and sort of like experimentations and ways that she can flip and sort of trick and and sort of and harmonize, you know? And what's so great, too, about this song is that a moment when her voice was transitioning and her style was transitioning, um, just because of the structure of this song, it, it, it plays for so much of the song in the deeper register of her voice, which is so rich yeah. and beautiful, and she doesn't always like to sit there, and that still exists. I mean, she could sit there, but she likes a little bit more of the jazzy, whistly... Uh, you know, riffs that she likes to do. But that that deep sultriness, I just, it, it, it hits me to the bone. I don't know. I, I just adore it. And um, so that was really fun. Another thing to mention, we were talking about remixing before. There's great, um, you know, remixes of this track, specifically bringing in Pure Imagination from Willy Wonka, which is just <laughs> awesome. Were you originally going to talk about that or did you know that I was going to talk about the Pure Imag- Imagination? Well, I mean, remix? it was like, it's always been in my head because oh, I had the single. I love, <laughs> I, when I heard heard that I lost my mind yeah I played it and I was like oh my god you're doing Willy Wonka like I just totally died did so you watch cute. the Rosie O'Donnell show so the cute. talk show yes back in I, the did. Day? I like, did I used to when I wasn't you know in like you know dance classes after school whatever um I would always after school watch Rosie O'Donnell and I would actually on my VCR program to tape it um, if I was going to miss it and there was a good guest on um, before you know DVR and whatnot. and so I remember uh, her coming on the Rosie show to promote this uh, to promote number ones and the I Still Believe single and um, it was hilarious I'll be brief but A number one Rosie had that machine by her desk to play the songs <laughs> and um, the producers had said that you know this song had uh, you know mixed in something from Willy Wong well, it queued up the portion of that mix that is when Bone Thugs and Harmony is doing their part. It has nothing to do, <laughs> nothing with, to do with it. And of course, Rosie Donald's like, "This is false advertising." <laughs> she was like, "Where's the Willy Wonka?" Whatever. So that's hilarious. Um, and then when and then she talks about how Mariah missed soundcheck, um, which. Sounds about right. <laughs> Sounds about yeah. right. Yeah. But what's so funny is Rosie, without being shady, just is making light of it. She's like, so usually everyone's here at 830 for sound check. Mariah didn't make it, so her backup singer did the sound check. And I thought, wouldn't it be hilarious if Mariah's here for the interview but just, like, has her backup singer sing the song <laughs> for her? And, like, I was like, ooh, that's so dangerous to say that. But then – Everything seemed to work out well. That's sort of how it happened for her. Not literally, but I mean, like, another star would have been born. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It was was so funny. Um, Rosie had her on a lot. Well, they were, yeah, and they're very friendly. They're both Long Island girls. Uh Um, I mean, you know, women. (laughs) Um, And and, uh, the other fun thing about that was also another moment where I believe Mariah was in a nice high pony. Like, I like her. Um, (laughs) And it was, uh, she also was in, like, a denim jacket and, and skin tight denim jeans with, like, a black tank top and it was just this like real cute look that I also fell in love with mm-hmm. anyway yeah. so that's a whole Brendan Mariah escapade we just took what's up Brendan you think we're wrapping it up well give me give me give me a good closer okay a good closer let's talk about make it happen Okay. 
So I think this is a, a really good, really good way. Wait, before you even talk about the song, can I just tell everyone the story about how? Wait, oh my gosh, this wasn't Atlantic City. No, real this quick is, though, this um, is the New Year's Eve moment that you had. Yes, you know, you remember? I saw the angel. Oh, you saw tour. right. So you saw it as at its, as its beginning, and I saw it after it had been done for months. Right, and I thought so. Let me just real quick say what happens. Right, so uh, in the tour, I saw it again as. As Vicky was saying, I saw it on New Year's Eve, and it was sort of a, a concept rehearsal moment. Um, and all of a sudden, she goes off stage for changing and for changing <laughs> anyway <laughs> to change. To, to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and make it happen starts. And I'm thinking, oh, it's like a vamp. Oh, she's gonna come out and do the song. Well, then the backup singers just start doing the backup vocals, but there's no lead. There's no track on. No video. There's just silence for the verses when when she should be singing. So you're like, that's weird. And I'm thinking, well, this again, this must be a vamp. No, keeps going. And didn't they send out Debbie Allen's dancers to come out and Uh dance to it? Yeah. So there's a full on number happening. You think, oh my God, she's missing the number. Like clearly (laughs) something went wrong and she's missing the goddamn number. (laughs) And then all of a sudden for the bridge, there's this moment in the song for everyone who knows it well, where, you know, it gets, there's a a bridge moment where she, she speaks a chant. um, And all of a sudden the drum hits up and she busts through these double doors that open and like plows down stage but during the bridge during the bridge during not yeah yeah Yeah. during the bridge during this chanting bridge random part (laughs) yeah 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 and um and then sings the last chorus and and hits a pose yeah the end anyway so then vicky sees at the end it's the same way so clearly that was a debbie allen yeah yeah it was a choice it was a it was an it got turned into an interlude but it was really just a sort of a half instrumental song with some ooze and some debbie allen you know alvin ailing choreography Alan, y'all, has been directing Mariah's concerts for a while now, and and I, I, I wish Mariah would explore some other some others as well. It does get a little revelations at times. It goes, <laughs> it goes to a place, and I appreciate. I do appreciate the modern contemporary dance nod. You know the cultural thing that totally. we get. I love it. Debbie Allen. That's yeah. really not shade on Debbie. It's just I don't think their collaboration right takes us where we want to <laughs> go. It doesn't necessarily go with make it happen. Anyway, but so let's talk about the make same it happen. Time. So third single from her sophomore album, the follow up to her debut, emotions. Um, it broke her streak, this album. Uh, Emotions was the only number one from the album. Can't Let Go broke the streak because um, they they held some of the singles back because they wanted to raise uh, numbers for the album. Mm-hmm. And as a result, both of them suffered. Yeah. Um, and sales for the album continued to wane as Make It Happen dropped uh it also failed to top the chart, but it was it was a great song. CNC, you know, CNC, another collabo. CNC connection. I know. We it's really like should be CNC. called back and back on track. Love CNC is really what the name of the Between show. Between CNC be. and Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, it's I over. feel like it's over. That's our lives. Yeah. Um, anyway, it, it, it bears it bears mentioning that it was the last collabo with them that got released as a single. There were some numbers from Music Box that got released, but um, yeah. sadly. Um, in uh, January of 95, David Cole had passed due to complications from spinal meningitis as a result of the AIDS that he had. And um, One Sweet Day with Boys to Men from the following album, Daydream, that which is your favorite, uh, would be inspired inspired yeah. in part by David. So he's a real – they're a real big part of her legacy. Yeah. And this song has become another one of her theme songs. It's a fan favorite. Everybody loves it. It's spiritual. She's a spiritual being. It's she, so optimistic. It's really optimistic. It's really, um, I love the video. I love the cameo by um, Brian from um, All My Children. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the religiosity of it? I appreciate that she's not afraid to be religious in a an, uh, which call it uh, an entertainment atmosphere that might not always be supportive from a marketing perspective to let a person express their beliefs. So I appreciate I appreciate that she does, um, and I think that I think that you can think about faith and you can think about God and you can think about any of these concepts in your own way and, and turn this song or any of her religious songs around to mean what you want them to mean. And I Absolutely. say go for it. It's positive. It's great energy put out in the world. And I and I, I love this song. I completely agree with you. I think it's a great uh, it's a great note to end on because really that's what you know her life has been. She's been the embodiment of make it happen, you know, mm-hmm. through trials and tribulations. She's making things happen. She's making things happen. We all have to. Mm-hmm. We're making this show happen. We're making it happen, girl. We're making my life happen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Hope you've had as much fun as we have. We'll see you on the next episode of 
back on track. Ta-ta. If you like our show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are hot. And if you really like our show, we'd love a rating and a review. You can find us on Twitter at Back on Track Show, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and all of your favorite ways of time. <laughs> we love to hear from you. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify and check out all of our mixtape playlists. And if you're outraged that your favorite track didn't make the list, visit us at www.backontrackshow.com and let us have it. You know, we'll tell you what we think, honey. All right, we're done. Peace.